Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. There's the theme song. Y'all know it. Could almost sing along to it if it had any words, but it's just so simple and so catchy. And it tells you that it's time for the steam room. Uh, the Charles Barkley Ernie Johnson podcast. Ernie, it's TK. I got to break in. This is also Tim Kylie, who normally appears in segment three or four of the podcast. Yo, man, I had a good first of all. Well, hold on, Chuckster. He's the legendary producer of Inside the NBA. Breaking news. Okay, what's the breaking news? This is the 24th episode, Ernie. 24. All right. And we have a sponsor, Chuck. What? Get the heck out of here. Tractor Supply Company sponsoring us. Wow. Wait, do we get, hey, let me do my Kenny Smith impersonation. Do we get a tractor? <laughs> or, or just some tractor supplies. Have you ever driven a tractor truck? I've never driven a TK. I'm not that country. Yes, you are. Yeah, but I've never been, I've actually never even been on a tractor. Well, you don't have to worry, Ernie. You are correct. It is it is tractor supplies. Yeah. They don't sell tractors, but Chuck, I'm sure they'd give you a ride if you want one. But I needed you to know that you are now sponsored. Spon- and we appreciate that because Tractor Supply yes. Company is also doing the Tuesday night NBA on TNT, the Adam Lefko show with uh, D-Wade and Candace and Shaq. And now, man, they've jumped on board. The, uh, the world's second most popular podcast in the history of media. That's awesome. Wow. Uh, I'm, you know, and I'm just looking up. There's a tractor supply company nine miles from my house. There in fact, there are two. There's one in Gainesville and one in Winder. And uh, thank you, tractor supply company. Don't, hey, TK, those sound like some booming metropolis. <laughs> you ain't kidding. Yeah. See you later. Thank you, Tractor Supply. Yes, thank you very much. We got a sponsor, Chuckster. See, and see, don't you worry when when TK breaks in with breaking news. Doesn't mean we're not going to have a first of all. Okay, listen, I'm just surprised he's breaking news. You have to start the show uh, with the Charles' favorite phrase. First of all, okay, listen. I want to apologize in advance for cursing. But I got to say this with conviction, and I want to get my point across. What the f***? Listen, man. These black men out here who are being anti-Semitic, this got to stop, man. Listen, Deshaun Jackson, Steven Jackson, Nick Cannon, Ice Cube. Man, what the hell are y'all doing? Like... Y'all want racial equality. We all do. I don't understand how insulting another group helps our cause. I, I, I don't understand in any shape or form. And the only person called y'all on it was Kareem. Uh, Kareem, who I admire and respect, is the only guy who said anything. Like, all these people who went crazy at Drew Brees when he said something about the flag, everybody wanted him. 
Nobody's saying anything now. We can't allow black people to be prejudiced also, especially if we're asking for white folks to respect us, give us economic opportunity, and things like that. I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed in these men. Like, if you want respect, you got to give respect. But I don't understand how you beat hatred with more hatred. I, I just don't understand that at all. And these lightweight, flimsy apologies, I don't like them either because I think sometimes when you say stuff like that, you really mean it. You just got people called you on it. But I don't understand how that can be in your vocabulary and in your heart. I don't understand it. I'm never going to accept it. And I'm asking you guys, I'm begging you guys, man. You guys are famous. You got a platform. But I don't understand how you can fight hatred with more hatred. And I'm disappointed in you guys. We got to do better, man. You can't ask white folks to respect us if you don't, if you're going to use hatred toward them. And I'm just, please do better, guys. Where does it come from, Chuckster? You know, Ernie, I don't even know. I, I, I really don't know. Because, um, I listen, I ain't never going to say something bad about another ethnic group. Never. Ever. That's not in my heart. That's not in my soul. That's not in my DNA. I just don't understand it. And especially at a time when you are asking people to respect Black people, that Black lives matter. You know, we're going to, this, this, this whole George Floyd thing and stuff like that has opened up a great dialogue to some of the problems in the Black community. And to, instead of trying to engage and find allies, we're just trying to alienate more people. I've talked about it before. I want allies. I don't want to alienate anybody. And to take shots at the Jewish, the white race, I just don't like it because it's not right. And I had to call them on it because it's really, it's really been on my heart. Like, yo, man, what the hell? What the hell are y'all talking about? Y'all, y'all want people to respect you, but you don't want to respect other people. It doesn't work like that. The uh, Hollywood Reporter, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar article that he that he wrote on July 14th. It says, recent incidents of anti-Semitic tweets and posts from sports and entertainment celebrities are a very troubling omen for the future of the Black Lives Matter movement. But so too is the shocking lack of massive indignation. Given the new wokefulness in Hollywood and the sports world, we expected more passionate public outrage. But what we got was a shrug of, hmm. You got to remember that about Kareem, too. I mean, he is still very much in the middle of what's going on in the world and, and has an outlet where he writes. I encourage you, check it out. I told you, Ernie, two of the most thoughtful things that I saw were Julian Elliman's post. And Zach Banner's post. They were two. I sent it to you and Jeremy. Yeah. I thought they were two of the most powerful things that I've heard people say. And that article by Kareem, man, he's always been at the forefront of society on issues. And I, I just had to say something today. I, when I read Kareem's article, uh, he's just an awesome man. And he's and he's always been quote unquote woke. Yeah, one of the things that Kareem says in here, 
He says NFL player Deshaun Jackson tweeted out several anti-Semitic messages, including a quote he incorrectly thought was from Hitler, parentheses, not your go-to guy for why can't we all get along quotes on closed parentheses. Man, he is so spot on. Ernie, let me just say this. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm pretty damn sure under no circumstances should you quote Hitler. He's right up there at the top of the list of the worst human beings ever. If you're not saying something bad about Hitler, you shouldn't be saying anything. I appreciate your first of all, and that's something that's been, uh, can we all be in the human race and can we all kind of pull together and like get through this, improve relations between all of us and not, every time you look up, you've got somebody in in your target, in your zone that you're trying to, Belittle. Yeah, me belittle, disrespect, portray in an other than truthful way. I mean, or is that just the day we're living in? Well, Ernie, you know how much I hate social media because it's a lot of power. And these guys, we're all famous, so you get a lot of followers. And the last thing you want is to spread something divisive that's not true because it just... Because, you know, you can talk yourself into believing something's true if you hear it enough. He's true. Hey, um, new T-shirt. New T-shirt this week. It's again from the uh, Combat Flip-Flops outfit. Here's a circle. It says, things you can control, things that matter. In the middle is that little area where these two, and it says, things to focus on. So only focus on the things that intersect there. Things you can control, things that really matter. I like that. I like that too. They got some. They got some good action there. Listen, no disrespect to those dudes, but do they only send you stuff? No, I I bought this stuff, Ernie. I bought this stuff. Yeah, I'm saying well, they they should be giving me one then, giving me a couple shirts. I'm sure they will. You know what? What size? Well, let's go to three XLT right now. Three XLT. Yeah. Okay. I'll just tell them because I because I have corresponded with them, but I'll I'll just tell them. Um, and it's the biggest you got. Yeah. The, the biggest you got. All right. I will, you know, they'll probably, probably listen to the podcast. All right. Hey, listen, I would love to wear those two shirts that you wear. Those are some, some great sayings. That one in the uh, be a better human. All right. I got you. You know, uh, Rex Chapman is a friend of ours. Yes. Good guy. Um, and whose life has taken some twists and turns. He's got a fascinating story to tell. He's spreading all kind of good news on social media just by posting things that make you smile. And um, I cannot wait to have this conversation with him next here on The Steamer. We welcome you back to The Steam Room, uh, the second most popular podcast in the history of media. I haven't updated those numbers lately, Charles, but I think they still apply. We're gaining on number one, though, Ernie. Yeah, and I think we're fixing to get a real spike in the in the number of subscriptions because we welcome a special guest. And as always, we encourage our, our guests to keep the towel on here in the steam room. And look at this one. This towel has a Washington Bullets logo. Wow, that's an old school steam room towel. It's Rex Chapman, ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the steam room. Rex, how are you, kid? 
my guys, there's a little Kentucky logo on there as well. Yeah, there's a Charlotte logo. There's Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. Thanks for having me. This is hey, great. It's our pleasure. I mean, obviously, you and Chuck have known each other for a long time, and I've known you for a long time, and and you've spent some time over there in the studio at NBA TV hanging out and cross paths there. And and I got to tell you something, man. I saw, I believe it was an E60. Uh, wasn't it an E60 that profiled you and kind of yep. took us from, from through your career and, you know, highs and lows and that kind of thing? And it was awesome. And And I knew back right then when I was watching that, I was like, that story's good for your soul because it's a redemption story. And it's a, you know, I can look at you now at you're 52 years old and say, well done, man. Way to, way to get it back. Thanks, Ernie. Really? Uh, you know, and Chuck, I've known you since I was a teenager. Uh, I was hoping I would get to play with you my first few years in Philly. He was a Nike guy. I was a Converse guy. He came to my speak to my camp in little Owensboro, Kentucky, right? We, we, we barely even knew each other. So we go back like that. And he also knows, as you probably do too, I, I was never a party guy. I wasn't a guy that I didn't feel like I could go out and drink at night all the time and play the next day. I wasn't that kind of, I wasn't a smoker. I wasn't a drinker. And my last three years, I had seven orthopedic surgeries right at the end of my final year in 2000, doctor gave me a prescription for Oxycontin. And I took that medication and I'd had painkillers in the past after surgery, but I'd always gotten off very quickly, wanted to know how I felt. That doctor gave me that Oxycontin and I was in love. The main thing that it did for me, I've always been a little socially awkward around people. And you know how it is. You guys get people coming up to you all the time that you, that you don't know. And they are going to talk about basketball or whatever they see you on TV talking about or doing. And all of a sudden I took that medication. People would come up to me. It was like my guard was down. I felt nicer. I felt nicer to people. So that was alluring. I felt kinder. I felt smarter. I felt like a better dad and a better husband. And, and it's all just a lie. Very quickly, I was in rehab and I've tried to build back from there, but it, it took a long time back. And I can't thank you guys enough for all the love and support you've all, both of you guys have, have given me, you know, heck, for most of my life now. You know, Rex, when I was reaching out to you, you know the story about my brother who passed away. I do. And I always tell people, man, you hope people reach out to you because you don't know how many friends you got, especially when you're famous. Yeah. You know, because I tell people, you don't know who's your friend or who just liked you because you Rex Chapman or Charles Barkley or Ernie Johnson. And I want to make sure that I reached out to you when things were going bad because I wanted you to know you weren't alone. Because I tell people, one of the reasons I came to your, your camp way, way, way back, you're just a good dude. Oh. What was the low point for you? Man, it seemed like there were so many of them. But from about 2001, 2000 to about 2014, you knew I had some issues with some pain medicine, but you didn't really know. You know, I didn't really keep it a secret from people. I'd been in rehab, I guess, at well, I ended up there three times over over 13 or 14 years. But yeah, I got arrested in Phoenix, man. I'd gotten divorced, small kids. Uh, all kids at the time were under 18. It's insane thinking that you have. And I got arrested in Phoenix for shoplifting at an Apple store. And when I say that, I still, it still makes me want to cry because I, I, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. It's me. 
a lot of guilt, a lot of shame that goes along with it. But at that point, man, I knew something had to change. I, I was going to die. I, I was at some point, I wasn't going to, my really, I think my only real saving grace is once people can't buy pills anymore, they go to a needle. I never did. I guess that that was sort of my walkaway point. But I know this, had I not, had not something not happened to me to jar me and get me to go, hey, you got to get get a hold of this. I probably wouldn't be here right now because it, and it's taken you guys, it's taken love and support and so many friends and family. Hell, I lived on a, on a couple of people's couches out in LA for a couple of years. I lived in my car for a few days, but that was it. And I, I, the guilt, the shame I felt over it, that I still feel over it, letting people down, letting myself down, letting my kids down. I just tried to dedicate the last five years to doing the next right thing, showing my kids a better me trying to think more about others and, and less about myself, but I'm still pretty selfish. I do want to move on, and I and I will in a, in a second on this, because I love what you're doing on social media these days. But I am I just think it's such a valuable story that you tell, and you're so transparent when you tell it. And I just, I think, I, I can't even imagine the number of people who are listening to this who are saying, man, I needed to hear this, because you're not the Lone Ranger, man. And the thing about the Apple Store thing, it's like, there's video. I've never watched it. I just can't. I just can't. I wondered if you had, and then I wondered, what were the reactions you were getting? And did you think, you know, in the old Jimmy Buffett line, did you think you had pissed it all away at this point? Absolutely. And I'll never forget sitting in rehab about 10 days later in Louisville, Kentucky. And our guy, John Lucas, flew in from Houston. He sat with me for, for a minute. Rick Pitino came, talked to me. Both those guys gave me a couple really good bits of advice. I looked at John, and at this point, I'm wanting to get out of rehab and get back home, see my kids and all that. And I looked at him. He said, when you leave here, you need to come out and stay with me for a few months in Houston. And I said, well, how long? He said, as long as it takes. Mm. And I was like, oh, man. And I've known him, again, since he's David Falk. We go back, you know, forever. And then Rick, Rick Patino came over and sat with me and Rick told me something and Rick's been through his stuff, man. And I was crying and I was just, I was like, I'm toxic. I, nobody will ever, I, I can't work. I can't, I'm, it's over. And he said, listen, get through this stage and just know over the next few years, you're going to eat a lot of shit. At first, it's going to feel like it's the size of a beach ball. You keep doing the next right thing. It's going to go down. It's going to be the size of a basketball. And then it's going to be the size of a softball and a baseball and a ping pong ball. And then it's going to, if you keep doing the next right thing. And for whatever reason, it stuck with me and it helped me get through those, you know, early days. And there's people along the way. When I watch you guys talk about what's going on socially right now, it fuels me. It really does. Because I think I walked through a lot of my life, just really pretty damn privileged and and never really thought about to what magnitude. Hey, man, let me tell you something. I, I'm about to cry right now. I'm not even going to fake it. I'm sorry, buddy. And, and No, no, it's not even about you right now, Rex. I'll be honest well, with you. That's good. <laughs> I'm going to call you real soon. Uh, I just dropped a friend off at rehab Monday. I'm hoping that he comes out on the other end like you. I put my brother in a bunch of rehabs. I was so stupid when I first put him in the rehab. It was, I was back and so it was. I was playing for the seventy six. I'm like, when you go into rehab, it's gonna work. And then when you look at the numbers, it like the best rehab facilities in the country only have like twenty percent success rate. I'm like, what? 
once I learned a lot about addiction, I used to get mad at the NBA because, you know, they would send guys away for 30 days. I'm like, nobody's going to get better in 30 days. But they send them away for 30 days and they bring them right back to the NBA when you're traveling with other guys who are doing the same stuff. And I call the Players Association. We can't be putting guys in rehab for 30 days and bring them back to the NBA environment. It's so personal for, for me right now because this guy is a great friend. He was a great teammate, and he really, really struggling. He's going through some of the things that you were talking about, and it's making me emotional. I get it. But I just want to tell you, man, I'm so proud of you. I've always liked you as a person, as a player, but now as a man, because, man, this fame thing, it sucks a lot of the time. It really does. Me and you and Ernie, we're so lucky and blessed in our lives. But when you screw up, and I screw up. Man, it's so low. I tell people, uh, when I spit on that girl in uh, New Jersey and I was sitting in my hotel room crying and everybody, you can't watch TV because everybody's killing you. And I deserved it. When I got my DUI, it was the exact same thing. And you're like, everybody in the world hates me. And then when so a couple of people reached out to me. It meant a great deal to me. Uh, but... I want to tell you one of the first times I reached out to you, you know, you talk about that tape. Obviously, I live in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And they says, we got some some bad news about Rex Chapman. I'm like, uh oh, let me look at this thing here. And it shows the videotape. And I'm like, oh, man, this is bad. And I reached out to you and said, hey, man, you got friends. You did. Listen, I'm always, yeah, you know, I'm always on the speed dial. You're going to make it, too, because you you really putting the time and effort in. I like what Patino said. Things are bad, but if you keep doing the right thing, they will keep getting better. That's all you can do. You're not as bad as your worst moment if you learn from it. I think that's applicable to all of us. I'll, I'll say one thing, you know, we do, we get a lot of love from people and, and whatnot. And I just kind of walk through my day sometimes still, just kind of in a daze. I was going, this is, happened about six months ago. I just wanted to tell you this. It, it gave me one of the best feelings I've, I've had in some time. I was going to the gym. And I don't, when I go to the gym, we don't want to talk. You don't want to talk to people. Yeah. And so I just had my head down and this kid behind the counter, probably 25 years old. He looked at me when I walked in and I kind of had my head down headphones in like an asshole. And he, he uh, said, Hey, are you Rex? And I went, yeah. And I kind of went on by, went on in, didn't really spend much at any time. I just kind of flew right past the kid. I came back out and he said, Hey, Mr. Chapman. I said, yeah. And he goes, I'm sorry to bother you. I just wanted to tell you, you spoke at a place uh, where my dad was in rehab about six months ago and he's out and he's never been better. He, I'm so happy. He, you told it, you said a couple things that, Oh my God. And I just hugged him. I don't know the kid. I just hugged him and started crying. I said, Hey, thank you. Thank you for telling me that. I mean, I didn't want to hear it to begin with. Right. I dismissed it. And then he just he wanted to tell me something to make me feel good. It was amazing. You talk about the headphones. Uh, one of my friends I've got to know really well, Gino Ariema, we went in the Hall of Fame together. And he has a very strict rule on headphones. And I actually think it's good. Like if you want to listen to music on the bus by yourself and things like that, that is fine. But he don't allow you to walk around with headphones on because he says it tells people, 
I'm too important for you and I don't want to be bothered with your shit. I believe that. If you didn't take that time to listen to this kid. I would have missed it. I never walk around with headphones on because, number one, somebody might just want to say, hey, Charles Barkley, I'm a big fan. But when you walk around with headphones all the time, you're telling people, hey, I'm more important than you and I don't want to hear your shit. And that's a lesson I think a lot of jocks can learn. Come on, man. There's too. nothing you're listening to that's so important when you're walking in and around the arena that you need to have headphones on. Like some of those people who work at the arena selling tickets, popcorn, beer, you might make their day saying hello to them. Absolutely. Rex, when you tell that story, I mean, it's just all it just speaks to is the value that you're that you're adding. Even look, you didn't know whose life you were going to impact when you spoke that night. And then for this kid to reach out to you and, and say, hey, just, you know, all that does is fire you up and say, five minutes from now, I don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now, but I might impact somebody's life. It's a frightening proposition, but it's also an exhilarating proposition that you can turn somebody's day or life around. And you're, you're doing that now on a daily basis. I don't know how this all started with with you and Twitter and your and your positive message that you're putting out or good, you know, here here are good deeds I'm going to share with you. Here's an adorable kid I'm going to share. Dogs, bruh, all this stuff, you know, block or charge. And it's so good because it's so different from the vitriolic stuff that you see on there where people try to eviscerate one another or they try their A game at comedy at try at somebody's expense. And all I'm seeing from you, Rex, is like, hey, check this out, man. This is really good. This will brighten your day. How did this all get started? Guys, it is so dumb. Uh, all of it is so, so crazy. I am that guy who can get uh, snarky and vitriolic and, and all that. And I, I found myself getting that way about a year and a half ago, online, social media, Twitter, politically. I was so, I was so caught up and the toxicity of all of it. And I want it off. But as you guys know, doing what we do, you kind of need a little bit of a social media presence these days. Unless you're Charles. <laughs> yeah, except for Chuck. Yeah, just one day out of nowhere, I saw a video of a dolphin, dolphin swimming in, school of dolphins swimming into shore and a guy paddle boarding out and the dolphin jumped up, hit the guy in the chest. And I said, exactly, that's a shark. <laughs> and i i just tweeted it out people thought it was whatever and of course you're just doing that you're just trying to get a few people that know basketball to acknowledge that and then that just took off so it took all the pressure off it's great i don't have to be snarky and all that stuff i can let the people who are really smart do all that stuff and you put out the dog i've, I've had a dog every day of my life i think uh i love them to death who doesn't love a dog? And then, yeah, especially right now, people are, we know, you know, guys, people are scared. Hell, I'm scared. I don't know what's coming. We think we might watch basketball in a little bit. Well, stay tuned. I, I still hope that's not a pipe dream, but people are scared. And I think right now, if you can do something to put a smile on somebody's face, take their mind off of the world for a minute or two and and see a little good in, in somebody, kind of recalibrate yourself each day, I think that's got to be a good thing. Well, see, that's the thing that, that I've learned. I always tell people, I admire anybody who, when, who's in the military, 
anybody who's a teacher, fire and policeman, now first, first responders, I admire them. But the one thing I've learned through this pandemic, man, we need sports. Because I, I ain't gonna lie, man, I'm sick of reality. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I am so sick of just reality. We got a little golf now, but it was the first two or three months, it was the coronavirus. Then it became civil unrest. And you find yourself like, you know, man, can I just watch Mike Trout hit a baseball? I know. Can, can, I, can I watch LeBron just play basketball uh, or, or Pat Mahomes throw a football? I don't want to talk about the coronavirus. Can I watch Draymond be half out of shape halfway through the season and then work his way <laughs> yeah. in shape? Can I see Draymond get his triple single and then talk about how good it is? <laughs> Come on, man. Chuckster, you can't help yourself, man. You cannot help yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. But, you know, man, I, I do. But I'm hoping this is a wake-up call for the players also, Ernie. And what I mean by that is I hope they realize, like, man, I'm not in the Army. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a teacher, a fireman, a policeman. But, man, my job is really important. A lot of people need me to take them away from all the crap that's going on. I really hope when the players come back, they're like, yo, man, like I say, we're not in the big, important in the big picture, but it's really important for the players to understand what they mean to the world. And I hope they learn that. And then they factor in like, man, this pandemic, a lot of these people are never going to get their jobs back. It's going to be a lot of lives ruined. And they say, man, I'm the luckiest dude in the world. I get to play a stupid basketball game and I make a gazillion dollars. I stay in the best hotels. I'm never going to complain about anything ever again. We're the luckiest people in the world. So where's the content? I mean, is this just from you looking on social or are people consciously saying, oh, this is adorable. I got to send this to Rex Chapman so he spreads it out there to his half a million followers. People just send stuff in and and say, hey, please use this. Um, it's good. And so that's easy. It's really weird. There, there are a half dozen probably people scattered. One guy in the United Kingdom, another guy in Scotland, who I, I don't know at all. We've met through Twitter. And these guys are just insanely talented at finding stuff. And they, they'll send it to me and I'll post from their account. And it's just, a, it's kind of a cool little thing. And, you know, some of them will find funny stuff. A couple guys will find the really heartwarming stuff. So man, it's, it's all good. But most, most of the time people just send the stuff in and say, Hey, look, this is my daughter. This is adorable. Run with this. I know some of what you've put out there is like, uh, you've gotten, you know, you put some Karens out there. You know, yeah. you, know you, you get some video of these, you know, and 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 then are you drawn into like a give and take with any of these people who say, hey, look, are you, you know, then are you in danger of going kind of going back down that road where, uh oh, this is getting to be a little personal and a little political? That's difficult for me. I, I, I try to pick my battles. We've got, you know, a lot of political stuff going on right now. I, I have I have my back up a little bit. I have you know, we all have our blind spots. And my, one of my big blind spots is, is I can kind of get when people start talking about opioids and the opioid problem, when they're, when, when they're incorrect or factually incorrect, you know, it, it, 
it rubs me wrong. And then I'll kind of be snarky back and I'll be like, Hey, read a book, you know, something I should right. never say to anyone ever. And so, you know, that's not how you're going to win anybody over with anything. I'll find myself getting drawn in. And at times I have to be like, I got to take a step back. Cause look, you're, you're going to piss off, you know, half the people. Yep. Right. One of my pleasures of my life is Rupp Arena. Uh, it is the most interesting place. They got, and I've said it before and gotten in trouble. Are you really going to do this? Uh, no, no, no. From Duke fans, <laughs> uh-huh. North Carolina fans, uh, Kansas fans. I says, guys, I didn't say those other fan bases weren't amazing. I'm saying going to Rupp Arena, traveling around the country for the last X amount of years, Big Blue Nation is crazy. How much pressure that you feel playing there? It's really weird, Charles. And I, and I think you could probably relate to this. You didn't feel a whole hell of a lot of pressure because you were really good. I mean, you know, especially in college. Um, I remember being going to college thinking, I hope I'm good enough. But once I got to college, I, I realized I, I could play. The on-court stuff was never a problem. You know, the conditioning and all that stuff, yes. But I never felt pressure. I had a bad game. It was I wasn't going to have another bad game. You know, so the on-court stuff was relatively easy. The off-court stuff was, you know, from the time I was 15, people started talking about, you know, did I date black girls? Did I date, you know, any girls that weren't white? And I never really understood why that was at the time. And still, why that was an issue for people. But a lot of people didn't like it. I just sort of hit it, which, oh, this makes me want to cry, too. It's not only unfair to me, it's way unfair to the girl that I'm dating. It was way unfair. And, it, and it's mean. That part of it, all of it, was very frustrating for me. Uh, because, look, I wasn't only dating. <laughs> I was dating a lot of girls. But I just had to be careful with some of them which meant go not in public and so and you know what that kind of went on in charlotte when i got to charlotte so that part of it was hard it was and and i think also this goes further i started experiencing some depression when i was in school and i think this has a lot to do with it i couldn't get into bars i couldn't go out with my friends because they wouldn't let me into bars even though my friends were underage if I went, they'd say, hey, man, if we let you in here, they're going to call the cops and we get shut down. So I didn't really have a normal college experience. I found myself sleeping more in the dorm during the day. So I was just sleeping and playing ball. And so I think I started going through this stuff. And I, I think that the image of the all-American white kid, that's what I was. And that's what they needed me to be an all-American here. I didn't care about school. I didn't care about any of it. But. I think people needed that image of me. And I think that really is what ultimately, you know, led to a lot of my problems because nobody's perfect. But I was always I always felt like I had to live up to this image of the, you know, the hometown kid going on and and doing big things. And when I finally did mess up and got in trouble and everyone knew that I was a mess up, it was kind of liberating for me. I felt like, okay, yeah, people know I'm. I'm not all I'm, I'm cracked up to be, so now I can be all right. I <laughs> can try to try to get better. Rex, you concerned about the future of college sports? I am. I really am. I was driving in Lexington here, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, here yesterday, and I was just thinking about that. 
I want to turn this on Charles. If you were coming up today and you're coming out, you're 18, you know, what do you do? You go to college, you go overseas, you go to the G League. What do you do? You know, that's a great question. I saw the guy who was with Auburn was at his top five just announced today he's going to go to the G League. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm disappointed in the NBA, uh, to be honest with you, because these kids are, are not ready for the NBA. And I wish we would work out a deal because what's happening now, the agents, are, the agents and the family are just trying to get to the money as quick as possible. They're not worrying about the best interest of the kid whatsoever. Instead of having these kids playing in small towns, uh, which I said, these kids don't deserve to be playing in, no disrespect, Bakersfield, California, Fort Wayne, Indiana. They're going to have a select team at Kobe Bryant's Academy with the best. And I don't like that because they're going to cherry pick the best players. And everybody's talking about, well, they're going to give them, they gave a couple guys a half a million dollars. I said, well, first of all, if you get somebody a half a million dollars, it's not a half a million dollars. You know, they got to pay taxes on that. Then they're going to have to move to L.A. Now they're going to have to bring entire families with them. So now that money, that little money they're bragging about is gone. And I don't know what kind of competition they're going to be playing against. I'd rather my kid or me say, hey, wait a minute. Let me go to Kentucky, Duke, Auburn, North Carolina, Kansas for six months, get great coaching. I'm going to be safe. I ain't got to worry about bringing a bunch of people with me, living in all my dime. I can go to college for six months. I'm going to get three square meals a day. I'm going to play against good quality competition. My mom ain't got to worry about me. I would not want to have to uproot. Because, you listen, you're not going to take a 17, 18-year-old kid sitting to L.A. without the rest of the family going. That's not going to work at all. But, Chuck, how about this? I mean, this part of it, too, with the COVID, you know, much like, hey, when's school going to be back in? You know, are they going to have seasons and that kind of thing? you got kids out there saying, man, I want to hoop. I don't know how, how college is going to work out. Let me go some more place I can play. And that's fair. And, and the COVID thing is a, is a totally different animal. But I'm just talking about from a, 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 a in general, I don't like guys going to the G League. Um, and honestly, like I say, and everybody act like, but I wish the NBA would work on something and keep these kids in college for a couple of years. It would help college and it would help the NBA. Because, listen, uh, I told you, I've been in the NBA for 30 years. Only one player was good enough out of high school to make a difference. And that was LeBron James. As great as Kobe Bryant. KG, all of them. Jermaine O'Neal. All those guys really struggled their first few years in the NBA. And they're the best to ever do it. Now we're just taking any kid who's quote-unquote, quote, highly ranked and say, go to the G League. I don't like that at all. I was the youngest player uh, my, my rookie year. I left two years early out, out of Kentucky. And Chuck, you remember how bad I was at first? Like, I think I shot my first three or four months in the league, I shot like 35%. I was bad. I hadn't, I hadn't had as many reps as you guys had. I couldn't shoot it as well as Rolando Blackman, every other, you know, professional two guard. I was a, I was young. And beyond that, at least athletically, I could keep up. 
socially, I was also young. You know, hell, Sonia and Dale, Stefan was born my rookie year. They lived two doors down. Muggsy lived right around the corner in a little apartment complex. Sonia would come over to do my laundry because I didn't know how to do laundry. <laughs> and she came in one day. I'll never forget this. She came in one day and just started cracking up laughing because we'd been on a road trip. There was clothes everywhere, but I had gone because I couldn't do laundry. I'd gone and bought like 60 pair of new underwear. So I was just wearing a new pair of underwear <laughs> every day. <laughs> and I'm the team's first round draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. I'm covered for the first two months of the season. Yeah, I this got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do the wash at All Star break. <laughs> uh, so we all been there and done that. I ain't gonna lie. I, I remember I ruined so many clothes my first couple of years. I'm like, you just throw everything in there, whites, colors. I called my mom one time. I says, my clothes keep getting ruined. She says, What's going on? It's just, she says, I said, my whites got, they kind of got different colors on. She says, you are separating the colors, right? I says, what do you mean? <laughs> Mom, you just throw everything in the washing machine. You don't worry about all that stuff. She says, son, you're dumber than rocks. You separate the colors from the whites. And I said, oh, maybe that's, that was my issue. But that's stuff you have to learn, Ernie. Oh, I know. I mean, think about it. How many young kids... Know how, like, their mom washed all their clothes and they're in high school. Very few kids. And in college, in college, they do they do all your washing, all your stuff. We all go through that stuff when we get out on our own, man. I remember, I remember learning how to, learning how to uh, iron my shirts on a sofa in Macon, Georgia, when I'm anchoring the news <laughs> down there because I didn't have a, I didn't have an ironing board. And then, and then you leave the stinking iron on the back of the shirt for a second. You go into work. You got the imprint of an iron on your back, man. It's like you know, in college you share you share the rooms with like four suites. You got a bathroom and it's like four different suites. And all of a sudden, steam start coming through your door, under your door. You're like, what the hell is going on in there? And it's the guys trying to. They just turn the hot shower on, and that's how they were ironing their clothes because nobody. <laughs> Yep, I know. Everybody just hangs up their stuff in the bathroom and turn the hot water on for about an hour and a half to two hours, talking about water shortages in the world. That's, that's better than those guys at Georgia with me who only took brute showers. Just put some of that brute up <laughs> down there. It's good to go. Oh, my goodness. Hey, I've taken many ghetto showers. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rex Chapman. Um this has been this has been some awesome time, and I my wife Cheryl Ann Chuckster knows her. She's a saint, uh, but but she spent part of her part of her working career um, trying to help uh, folks who were addicted. You know, she was running a women's you know the in charge of a women's program at a residential facility for years, and and so I would see the frustration she would have sometimes. Um, but I'd also see the celebration uh, when when you she broke through with somebody or somebody had a breakthrough and it was like they were able to break those bonds. And I feel like I'm watching one of those today um, just because of, of where you are in your life right now, man. It's good for your soul. Good for my soul to see that. And um, thanks for sharing your story. It's been awesome. And, and keep on doing that Twitter action, man, because 
We all need it. We all need the good. We all need the good stuff. Yes, we do, brother. Love you, brother. Be safe. Thank you. I listen. I love you guys, and your friendship truly means a lot. I can't say it enough. Appreciate you, Rex. Thanks. Back inside the steam room. He was with us earlier. He, he interrupted the flow as we tried to begin the show and really get it moving here. And then Tim Kylie pops up with breaking news that we have a sponsor for the show, Tractor Supply Company, as we, um, again, I don't think you can say that enough, Chuck. They're our sponsor now. So anytime you can say Tractor Supply Company, you should. Tractor Supply Company. I got to go to one of those stores, but I've been doing some cleaning around my house in, uh, my, my, in Leeds. So uh, I've been paying people to take down all the weeds. Maybe they can hook me up. Maybe you can do that in your uh, combat flip-flops T-shirts that maybe we'll get you sent to. All right. There you go. Uh, Be a better human. There you go. TK's back. It's Tractor Supply Prediction Time, Ernie. Tractor Supply Company? Yes, Tractor Supply. Oh, thank you, Ernie. Company Prediction Time. Uh, Chuck, did you happen to catch Shaq's prediction last week? Uh, I did not. You heard it here first. Listen, guys, because there's no home court advantage and they're playing in the ballroom, Brooklyn will advance to the second round. You heard it here first. First of all, he does, he, does he know, like, the top five players aren't playing? I think there's 12 of them that aren't playing. How many shots do you think Jamal Crawford's putting up now? Did I see that Michael Beasley's already escaped the bubble? Yeah. He was diagnosed with COVID. Oh, he was? That's what I heard. One thing about this thing, the NBA's got to be above board. They can't be saying people doing this and this. They got to know he had the virus. Yeah, I know, Chuck. I know what you're saying, but they also want to respect people's privacy. You'd almost want the, just the truth to be out rather than to have people speculate. Because not just that, Doherty, there's probably a couple of people that you have been around that you probably didn't tell people you were around. Yep. And then if they said, no, 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 I I said hello to him somewhere that day, I need to go get checked myself. You don't have any idea how many people you, like, you like, okay, I might have a conversation with this person for maybe 10 minutes, but you might have said hello to somebody, two or three people, just hello. And when you're going back, like, who all did you have contact with? Yeah. I'd want to know, like, no, no, no. I said hello to him in, at lunch or going into the gym. I'd like to know for my own if I've had contact with somebody. That's the point would be important to me. So I, I'm assuming you're not you're not buying what Shaq is selling with Brooklyn winning a series. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what. I'll put his massive fortune up against my pennies. <laughs> I'll bet him right now. Chuck. This brings us up to another prediction, though. This is all the way back to opening night. Cap, you got it? Go ahead and roll it. That's my sleeper team, Detroit Pistons. They're going to be a top. They're going to have home court the first round of the playoff. That's my sleeper team. Ernie, write that down. Pistons will be number Number four. four. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Did we put that on the wall back in the studio, Ernie? 
I don't remember if that was up there, but now it's it's going to go somewhere. Pistons will be the number. We'll have home court in the first round. They didn't even get invited to the 22-team party down here. Well, that's the NBA's fault. If they had invited all 30 teams, all 32 teams, <laughs> they'd have made it. That's selective prosecution by Adam Silver. All right, Chuck, time to try to make up for that Detroit prediction. This is more of a question. You ready? Yeah. Today, 1969, Apollo 11 took off for the moon, the first men to step on the moon. How many days do you think it took them to get to the moon? Four days. Hey, well done, Chuckster. Is that right? Yeah, it is right. They landed on July the 20th. Hey, PK, that was a 100% guess. <laughs> that was, I had no idea. Neither does Shaq. He still thinks he can get the, the moon quicker than California. So, you know, it's all good. Yeah, you can see the moon right there. <laughs> you can't see California. <laughs> hey, Ernie, Chuck, before I go back to my live shots, uh, I wanted you to know that that interview with Rex Chapman was spectacular. Wasn't he something? Yeah. Spectacular. The bad news for Rex, he can't beat Killer Mike. I want Van Jones on, on, on my speed dial, so I can't move him below two. <laughs> Rex moved up to number three. It's one of our best interviews. Nothing beats honesty and transparency when you're talking to somebody doing those long-form things, man, and he was just – that was just him. It was awesome. He was really, really good. I agree, Ernest. It's phone call time, Ernie. I'll have to exit. You're going back to the broadcast center there at the Kylie household where you've got numerous monitors, satellite feeds. We're having trouble with the Zoom to Medicine Hat Canada, Ernie, so I'm working on that. And I know you can, can jump in and help with the degauser and the uh, cabipulator to make sure it's cabopulating. always fun because uh, we encourage you to call Chuck's answering machine at 404-987-0330. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hello, Mr. Charles Barkley. My name is Kevin. I'm from Sweden. The whole Inside the NBA crew, I really admire you. Even though I don't watch the program live because it's really late here on Sweden, but I do watch it on YouTube, and I just want to let you know, guys, that you make me laugh every time. You, Shaq, the Jet, and Ernie, and I also love this team room. And also, one question. Do you like soccer? Because I play soccer, and that's why I ask. And which team do you support? And God bless you guys. Take care. Well, uh, number one, Kevin, thank you from Sweden. Um, thanks for supporting the steam room and our show. I'm not a big, huge soccer fan. Because America sucks. The women are great. The women are great. Before y'all start calling in, the women are great. But the men suck at soccer. So the only time I watch soccer is during the World Cup. I think the World Cup is one of the coolest events I've ever watched. I watch it every time it's on, every four, four years, I think it is. But one of the reasons I have – I got really into soccer one time. We made a little run. But we're not good enough at soccer for me to be a huge soccer fan. So, Kev, I apologize. I'm not a huge soccer fan because America, other than the women, suck in, in soccer. So, listen, I can appreciate greatness. 
anytime Cristiano Ronaldo is playing or Messi or Chicharito's playing in the MSL now, I love Zlatan. I think that's his name. Uh, you all, so you that, should know a lot of soccer guys for not being a fan. Well, I'm a fan, but I'm not a huge fan. Like, if they tell me a, a star is going to play, like, I'll watch because I want to watch greatness. But yeah. I'm not going to watch mediocre teams play. I'm not going to watch the Sacramento Kings or, or the Magic play. I once saw Pele play. Did you really? Yeah. I was on a panel uh, with his daughter a couple of years ago, and it was one it was one of the coolest things. I said, hey, I ain't going to lie to you and tell you I'm the biggest soccer fan in the world. But Pele is somebody I would love to meet because he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Maybe the greatest to ever do it. Uh, by the way, it's MLS, not the MSL. Okay. All right. That's you know, just throwing it out there because Cap, the producer, again, working hard, says, hey. Hey, don't be correcting me on the podcast, brother. Who, me or Cap? Me or Cap? You don't be correcting me. They can see you correcting me. I'm sorry about that. Okay, Cap ain't going to correct me. I'll beat the hell out of him. Okay. I, I think it should be called the MSL, too. Anyway, <laughs> let's go. Let's do another call. Hey, Chuck. I'm sure you caught this since it's in your home state of Alabama. Tommy Tuberville just won the Republican Senate runoff against Jeff Sessions, largely due to his alignment with uh, the president who gave him an endorsement. What is your take as it relates to what uh, former Auburn athletes should do, given that Tuberville is clearly trying to uh, capitalize on his former coaching of the football team? I want to hear this answer. Well, let me say this. Uh, I've always liked Tommy Tuberville. He's always treated me great, and obviously he was great for Auburn. I want to say this, though. If I need a touchdown or a defensive stop, I'll call Coach Tuberville. If I want a senator, I'm going to call Doug Jones. I'm supporting Doug Jones. No disrespect to Tommy. I need a senator, and that's Doug Jones, the incumbent senator, I might add. Well played. Next. Hey, Chuck, this is Kelsey. You guaranteed that you weren't going to finish last this year in Tahoe. So I just wanted to congratulate you on finally not finishing in last place in the American Century Championship, especially ending it with a nice birdie put on 18. Way to make us proud over here. And sorry to Eddie George, that must have been a hard loss to swallow. And now that brings me to this. When can we expect the 2020 Black Masters? Well, let me say something. I just, when you birdie 18, just, just like, I'm like Tiger. Was it number nine? Did you, did you close on number nine, though? Yes, I closed on number nine. Number nine was your 18th hole. Okay, good. Uh, so, you know, Jack, Tiger, Brooks, Justin, Chuck, when we need a birdie on the last hole, we come up with a burden. That, that's what I had to do. And just for the record, I haven't come in last place in like four years, just for the record. But this was the most nerve-wracking one. But you know, like I say, Chuck, Tiger, Jack, Gary, Arnie, when you need a birdie on 18, you have to make it work, brother. I think DeMarcus Ware dropped a bomb too there, didn't he? Late? Yeah, that's the one that beat me. 
and he was able to beat you by by two points in the Stableford system. He did. That saved him because, you know, that was a prop bet. I let about 10 of my friends down. They all took me against the markers. That was a prop bet. Now, they didn't bet a lot. But they didn't have a lot of confidence in me, which is probably why they lost. <laughs> One of my friends came to me. He says, I think you're dead. He says, you're going to have to make a birdie somewhere along the way. Because the markers just made like a 40-foot birdie putt. It was at least a 40-footer. I mean, it was a roller coaster thing, and he was stunned. They showed it on the on the telecast. But you know what? It was another great weekend. I want to give a shout-out to Lake Tahoe. It was a struggle, man, for those people with no fans. You know, the casino was empty, uh, but they made the best of it. So thank everybody who supported the tournament in Tahoe. Hey, was it easier for you to play without folks there watching, aside from the ones who were on their boats on 17 and 18? You know, Ernie, it just it wasn't much, as, as much fun, to be honest yeah. with you. So, like, you know, it's going to be really weird when the NBA comes back in a couple weeks. Like, playing sports without fans, man, the fans are important and significant. Yeah. And and I, I just think it's, it's – first of all, we got to do it, obviously. But it was really kind of surreal. The first day I played with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, they would have had the biggest crowd probably because Pat Mahomes, anytime you get $500 million, you're going to have a big crowd. My man John Smoltz finished third. He did. Steph Curry fourth, Case Keenum fifth, behind Marty Fish and Kyle Williams. Marty Fish can play, man. He can really play. I tell you what, I'm really impressed with Kyle Williams because he's a big defensive lineman. He's got one of the smoothest swings you're ever going to see. You wouldn't think a big guy could swing it that smooth. He got the most amazing tempo. Uh, but Kyle, man, because he got off to a great start. But Marty set the course record. Marty's a great dude, too. But he set the course record that that Saturday, and that was the difference. So was, was there anything on the Curry bet, Steph Curry and, and Dell, was that a wash? Because I think Steph said he gave his dad six points. Dell had to make uh, – he had a chip and a putt. It was great TV. He had to have a chip and a putt. He left himself like a six-footer, and he lifted in to tie. It was awesome. And, and let me tell you something. Two highlights of the weekend for me were meet Michael Pena, the actor, who's a great actor. I was excited to meet him. He's great. And I got to meet Canelo Alvarez, who's the best boxer in the world today. And uh, once I met those two guys, uh, my weekend was made. Very good, youngster. Um, I'm glad you didn't finish last. Saw that, you know, you hit a couple of good shots I saw in the coverage. And um, and that's all good. And Roger Maltby helped you out. So your golf career is on the is on the uptick. Cannot wait for the Black Masters. Yeah, we'll have to get it done here one of these days. Hey, they're gonna they're gonna do it, so we gotta do it. Twenty four episodes in, man. Thank you, brothers. I look forward to uh, two weeks from today. The NBA will be back. You're right. That's the plan. Two weeks from tonight, and we'll be back in the studio for that too. Thanks to Rex Chapman for hanging out. Great conversation, and thanks to Tractor Supply Company the presenting sponsor of this great program, which we call The Steam Room, the world's second most popular podcast in the history of media. There you go. And I'm downplaying it. We'll see you next week.